Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. There's different ways to say, what are you looking at? That's our message title this morning. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? You know, we're always surrounded by problems, and we're always surrounded by potential. We're always surrounded by problems and always surrounded by potential. I know because I've heard the stories of when my parents started this church in 1991. I've heard about the problems. Some of the problems were that, that they, they didn't live in Edmonton when they started this church. They moved to Edmonton. They had no network in the city. They knew one person. They, they had told the church that they were leaving, hey, we feel God's called us to plant a church and we're going to go to Edmonton and plant this church. And the church said, great. And they said, would you support us in any way? They said, yes, we'll give you $600 over six months. So you get... Uh, they had minimal training. They went to university, but they were not trained in, in, the, in the Bible college world. They had three boys. This was a significant problem for them. Um, and one boy was on the way as well in the second year of the church with no family here to help them. So there was pressure at home as well. They had no church building. They were inviting people to their house to start this church. They had no resources. Our first sound system for this church came because my dad's friend was helping somebody renovate a house. And as they were renovating their house, they were throwing out this old, like, I think it was 70s sound system. So the sound system was over 20 years old, outdated technology. They were in the midst of throwing it away. And my dad's friend went, wait a second. My friend could use that. He's starting a church. And one man's trash was another man's treasure. We still have that sound system today. And uh, we don't use it here. It's, it's, it's in a closet. But that sound system, that sound system had four plugins in it. And so it didn't matter how many instruments you had, which in a church plant, you don't have many showing up at the start. Anyway, but it had four plugins. So you, you had four either voices or instruments, whether you liked it or not, that was the maximum. There was some serious problems, but thank God that they saw the potential as well. They saw the potential of what God could do in Edmonton through some faithfulness. The potential, they knew one person in the city. The potential, they had $600. Uh, the potential, they had no idea how difficult it would be to plant a church because they weren't trained to plant a church. More potential, they had three volunteers before they ever announced anything about the church starting. And the children's program was already growing. They also had an auditorium ready to go, their living room, and they had a sound system. Thank God there was some potential. There was problems, but there was also potential. I'm so thankful for their faithfulness in getting to walk through the potential of what God would do. God is constantly surrounding us with opportunities to impact the world around us, but do we see those opportunities or is our focus set on the problems in our day-to-day lives? Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you looking at? Can I tell you the potential of what God can do is bigger than the problems we'll face? The potential of what God can do in your life is bigger than any problems you'll face. Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going to read from this morning. I'm going to go uh, from 26 to 33. So Numbers chapter 13, you can read it in the NIV along with me if you'd like. 
Um, we're going to go from 26 to 33, and I'm going to set it up. The Israelites have left slavery. And they've, they've walked away from that season. Now they're in a season of waiting for what God has promised. God's promised them this, this new land that they're going to go and take. And it's going to be amazing. And they're in the, they're in the wilderness, they're, and they're eating manna and bread. That's all they have. They're no longer slaves. So they've gone through the exodus of leaving slavery. But now they're waiting for this promised land. They're in this in-between zone. And Moses sends out 12 spies, one from every tribe, to represent their tribes, to go and, and look through this land, spy it out, check it out, and come back and report about the land, about what they're going to have to do to go and take this land. Okay, so he sends these 12 spies, and then this is the story of the 12 spies coming back after they've looked at the land that God, keep in mind, that God has promised them. Here we go, Numbers chapter 13, 26 to 33. They came back to Moses and Aaron, and the whole Israelite, community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So many people believe that they brought back grapes and said, look at these grapes. Like this land's got some good stuff. It's better than the manna that we've been eating. Manna, uh, it's some sort of bread. I think it's more like cotton candy with no flavor. Like it's just this puffy thing that they have to eat. Like meringue or something. I don't know with no flavor. Okay, so uh, they showed them the fruit of the land. They said, look, the land is good. Look at these grapes. They're amazing. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's this fruit. But there's some problems. What are you looking at? But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea among the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people. Shh, guys, stop. Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. So the problem that these 10 other spies see is that these people are strong. These people are huge. They're of great size. They're focused on these people and they think, these guys are going to beat us up. These are the bullies around here. I'm not going in there. And the, the interesting thing is that the Israelites were used to being bullied. And they're, they're seeing their past and they're going, it's just going to happen again. It's the same way people have been treating me this whole time. Instead of rising up and realizing God's promise for them, realizing that this is God's call, this is God's promise that they go take this new land, they're looking at the past. We were bullied before. It's going to happen again. They chose to see the, problem, the problems, not the potential. They chose to see the problems, not the promise. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Like This is how we're looking at ourselves. And we look the same to them. So they're projecting other people's opinions about them. 
They're saying, this is how, this is how people look at us. Come on, we do this, don't we? I don't know about you, but I do it. Sometimes we put words in people's mouths. Here's what we often do. We put uh, thoughts in other people's minds. We put thoughts in other people's minds. That's what they did. We look like grasshoppers. Who told them they look like grasshoppers? They never, they doesn't say that in the text anywhere. But that's what they're saying. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. Nobody thought anything of us. I remember at my old job, I struggled with this big time. That I thought nobody wanted to hear from me. Nobody wanted me to add value. Just sit there and do your work. Don't get out of line. I remember on one side of my desk, I had this desk here. And there was a hallway behind me. And on one side of my desk, I had all the, the big shots in the company. All the, the head salespeople, the CEO, the manager, the CEO, all the letters I didn't even understand at the time. There's something C, something this. And so all these big shots on this side in their offices. And then I had a boardroom on this side of me, on the right of me. And so they'd have to walk back and forth. And, and, and the boardroom was quite close so I could hear them in their meetings. <laughs> Enjoying their nice coffees while I drank the gross coffee that the other salesman made with me. And, uh, and I remember starting to sit there and tell myself what these people thought about me. I remember thinking, oh, they don't want to hear from me. They don't want to hear, you know, I'm the one who talks to the customers. You guys don't even talk to customers. I know what's actually happening here. And thought they looked down upon me. They thought nothing of me. But I needed to stop putting thoughts in their minds and start adding value into their life. Knowing, why wouldn't I add value to these people or believe the best about these people? Because God wants to promote me. My finances are blessed. God favors me. God provides for his children. I see how he clothes the lilies of the field. He's going to take care of me. Can I just tell you that if this is going on in your life, you're not crazy, you're normal. But when you go to work tomorrow, you got to know this. God wants to bless you. God wants to promote you. God wants to give you influence. you got to get your eyes on his promises and his word about what he thinks about you and not put thoughts in other people's minds. Come on, how many people are thankful for a God who's present, who's personal, who sees all your needs, he loves you, wants to promote you, move you forward? You cannot allow the problem to hold you back from seeing the potential in your land. The potential for the Israelites was this land had resource. It flowed with milk and honey. In Exodus, it said that this was good, spacious land. It was fruitful, full of resource. And then God says to them, I'm going to give you their land. These are not my people, and they took this land, but you are my people. You're going to take it back. I wonder who I'm preaching this morning to. I wonder who I'm preaching to that the world maybe took something from you, and you let them have it, and it's time to go and take it back. I don't know if it's a child, if it's a job, if it's a neighbor. Come on, that the world might have took it, but God has said, you go and take it back. That's yours. That's your space. That's your land. Come on. you got to believe that God has more in store for you. Here's the promise that God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 about this same land. He says, go from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land I'm going to show you. And this is what they're doing. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. You're not, I'm not, you know what? You're not just going to be blessed. You're going to be a blessing. God takes it a step further. It's not just for you to hold in your living room. Oh, I got this blessing. It's great but you're going to go and give it away and bless other people. People are going to be impacted by a blessing that I'm going to bless you with. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those. I'm sorry, I'll curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through 
you. You're my people. Come on, if God's will is going to be done in our city, in our church, in our families, in our homes, we need some Caleb's to step up and start seeing the promise. We need some Caleb's to start seeing what God wants to do, not just the problems that surround us at all times. Caleb saw, he saw milk, he saw honey, he knew God's promise to Abraham. And what did he have to do in order for them to push forward? What did he have to do? Shh. Hey, let's calm down a little bit. Yeah, I see these problems are big. He didn't, deny, he didn't deny that there was problems, but he's just like, shh, 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 shh. Let's, let's get some things, let's get some new perspective on this. I wonder what kind of noise will you have to silence in order to see God's promises come alive in your life? What kind of noise are you going to have to silence for God's promises to come alive in your life? Maybe the noise you're going to have to silence is some people in your life who just speak so much negativity. And they, they just want you to hear the gossip. They want you to hear what they think about this person and that person. And you're just going to have to say, shh, 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 shh. shut up. You know, I, I, this is something I've had to learn to teach myself. I'm always reminding myself of how it went bad last time, what that person said last time, how you messed up this time. Sometimes I'm just like going into a, a day or a moment, even waking up, I just have to be like, Joel, shut up. When you're reminded of how you messed up in the past and you're scared about what's going to happen in the future, sometimes you can just be like, shh, shut up. When your brain is reminding you of how inadequate you are for the situation you've been put in, sometimes you just got to shh. Shut up. When a police officer asks for your license or registration, come on. The Lord wants to bless me, take care of me, sir. Ma'am, you're going to have to leave me alone. Do not do that. But do you know who else was inadequate? Paul. Persecuting Christians before his experience with Jesus. Paul, you had no business doing what you did for the church setting us up on it. Like he had no business being used by God the way he was. What about Peter? Makes all sorts of silly mistakes and ends up denying Jesus. And he isn't even self-aware enough to know that he's going to do it. Like, this guy is inadequate. Jesus is like, hey, Peter, you're, you're going to deny me. He's like, no, I won't. I'm so, I'm the best, man. I walked on water. No, you're going to do it. And sure enough, he did. Inadequate. Moses couldn't even speak properly. And Moses is the guy who has to intercede for all God's people, the Israelites, with God. He couldn't even speak properly, yet he's the only one who could speak to God on behalf of all the people. Come on, God uses inadequate people. How about Esther? Esther, an orphan. Nobody wanted her. She ends up being queen over all those people. Come on, God uses us in our inadequacy. How many are thankful for a God whose power is made perfect in our weakness? So good. Stop telling yourself you're inadequate. Remind yourself that God uses inadequate people. So Caleb says, we should go up and take this land. We can do it. I don't want to hear these problems anymore. I'm moving on. Why? Because if you're stuck on the problem, you may never see the promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you looking at? Oh, that was too Canadian. We got to get angry and aggressive. Other neighbor, come on. What are you looking at? God's problems are too big and too important for us to sit here and listen to negativity and focus on negativity. 
Your potential is bigger than your problems this morning. I don't know what problems you have. They might be great, but God's potential in your life, the potential for you to do great things for God, the potential for you to move forward is just so great. You can't focus on those problems too much. No, I'm not saying, you know, don't pay the credit card, okay? I'm not saying just ignore those things. I'm just saying sometimes we focus on those things so much that God is trying to do something incredible and we completely miss it because we're just focused on the problem. Whether it's a relational problem, there's conflict, there's unmet expectations or miscommunication. And we just get so focused on that miscommunication. We're just like, ah, oh, we, add, we add so much to miscommunication, don't we? You didn't text me because you hate me. I didn't text you because I'm dumb. Like it's, you know, it's, let's be real. Whatever the problem is, distracted. Sometimes we get so distracted. And our problem is that the, our car isn't as nice as the neighbor's one. We get so distracted by desires of the flesh, consumerism, what we want, not what God wants. We get distracted by shame. Shame from what we've done. It, it starts to cloud our vision of ourselves. And, and we don't see ourselves how God sees us anymore because we're so distracted by these things. And what happens is we end up ruminating on the problem. The word ruminating comes from, I believe, it comes from cows. Cows have four stomachs. And you ever see a cow? They're always chewing, right? They're, they're always chewing because they're ruminating. They, they eat the food, goes in the first stomach, comes back up, they eat it again, goes back down. It's disgusting, but this is what they do. They, what else are they going to do? They just ruminate. That's all they have to do in life. Um, thank God you're not a cow. Um, but we do this too. And we get stuck chewing on whatever situation we're going through, whatever problem it is, and we get our eyes fixed on the problem, not what God is doing, not the promise for our life, not the potential for our life, and we miss out on so much and we waste so much time. How many people have heard of the company Laughogram Films? Not many. Anybody heard of Laughogram Films? Laughogram Films. So Laughogram Films, you probably haven't heard of it because it went bankrupt 100 years ago in 1923. And they tried some stuff. The stuff, they made some mistakes with how they managed some of their money. And you'd think like, after going bankrupt, and, and not just going bankrupt, they were like, they were backwards. They were bleeding money. And it just didn't work out. So Laughogram Films goes under. And you'd think, if you have a bankrupt film company, should probably maybe try something else, right? Try doing something else with your life, a bankrupt film company. But sure enough, Laughogram Films was started by Walt Disney. And Walt Disney could have been stuck on the bankruptcy. Instead, he tried again. You might be like, don't be bringing up Walt Disney, okay? People have different uh, views of Walt Disney. But we went to uh, Walt Disney's, um, what was it, a museum, and uh, I saw his baptism certificate, okay? So I can use his stories. <laughs> Uh, this morning in church. He could have been stuck on that, losing this company, company going bankrupt, but he tries again. Five years later, he's got this character after so much failure, so much failure in, in Walt's life. Five years later, he has this character named Oswald the Rabbit, and he had, uh, he'd been sort of leasing Oswald through this other guy to this company, and they were using Oswald in some of their films. And he's finally making some money, and then he, he ends up going to this meeting. He takes the train from California to New York to go and rework some of the deal of Oswald's 
um, whatever, his workings to, to make some more money off of Oswald. And when he gets to the meeting, he finds out that he was f- so foolish in how he did some of the paperwork that he was no longer going to be making any money off Oswald the rabbit. In fact, on top of that, Oswald was stolen from him and he no longer had the rights to Oswald the rabbit. What a failure. How did he do that? What a, what a mess up. And so he gets on the train from New York to head back to California. And what does he do on that train ride home? What many of us would have done is we would have been, oh, I can't believe this. I can't believe they messed with me. I can't believe I was dumb enough to sign that contract. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's often my position towards this kind of thing when these things happen to me. But not that I can draw characters and people want to make money off them. No, that's but anything further from the truth. But he, he gets on that plane, or he gets on that train, and he starts to draw. And he starts to work out this picture of a mouse that he had in his mind of this next character. Oswald is gone. He starts to work on what is next for his life. He starts to draw Mickey Mouse. And we know the rest of the story that Walt Disney ends up being a huge success. Why? Because he wasn't sitting there ruminating on the problem that just happened. But what is next? What's the potential for the future? What can I do next in my life? Can I just tell you that's what God wants to do for you? that we've been stuck on problems for so long, God's like, would you just get your eyes up for a second because I want to do something. Whatever pain you're going through makes you qualified for a better future. The Israelites were so unqualified. The only thing that qualified them was God. It wasn't their strength. It was that they were God's chosen people, just like you and I. And if you trust God by going into the battle, you'll see his promise in the end. Those 10 other spies, they died in the desert. In fact, their whole generation missed out on the promised land because they were so fixed on the problem. But Caleb saw the promise of God for his life. And he's like, hey, we're gonna have to fight through some stuff. There's gonna be some suffering. There's gonna be some giants and it might be a fight, but I know what God has promised for us. It's currently comfortable here in the desert. We got stuff to eat. God's still been gracious even though we're in the desert. But God has promised something better than a desert. God already promised the land would be theirs. They had to go and take it. And our tendency often, God will promise us, we'll get these sort of, these visions or, or God will, you know, give something. Or you'll maybe have a word spoken over you by somebody or maybe you just have a dream in your heart and you, you see the end result. And what happens is we don't want to get into any sort of battle because life is hard enough as it is. And I don't know about you, but my tendency in, a, in battles, when I think there's going to be a battle, is to, let's see if I can avoid this at all costs. Hey, maybe you're going through something in your marriage this morning. And you just feel like, I just, if we could just not talk about it long enough, it's going to go away. And we're going to get back to how things were. But God's saying, go into the battle of marriage counseling. It's going to be awkward. You're going to have to humble yourself. You're not going to want to do this. But what if, what if it's that battle that God has got a so much better future for you. That you're going to work through those things together and God is going to, get, God loves marriage. He loves that you're married and he wants to help heal and work through what goes, goes on in that, but it might be a battle. Oftentimes, when it's a battle, we just don't invite God into it. Because if we invite God into our battle, he might change our plans. Come on, how many times have you thought something was going to go your way? You had, you know, some plans on the way things were going to go and God went and swapped those plans around. 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so sometimes we're like, I'm just not inviting God again. You can come it later on, but I got to do this on my own because you will mess with things. I can empathize with these 10 spies because sometimes, honestly, people can mess with your heart. You might be fighting for God's promises and in the midst of that, it can mess with your confidence. For these Israelites, it was just the way these other people looked that messed with their confidence. But oftentimes people say things, people just give looks and it messes with our confidence. And the, why it can shake us so easily is so often we're missing it because our confidence is in ourselves, not in God. Jeremiah 17, seven says this, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. If you want people to stop messing with you, start putting your confidence in God. Just like the Israelites, you can certainly do it. But you might have to tell your mind, shh, 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 be quiet. Stop. You might have to tell some other people, shh, 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 I, I can't hear that right now. And you might have to tell yourself, stop putting thoughts in other people's minds. Earlier this summer, we went on a great vacation together. My family and I went on a little road trip. It was amazing. And traveling with family, with little kids, it's awesome. It's so much fun. Um, but that last day was a little bit tough. And so we, it was 35 degrees. We had not slept well the night before. And we had too many bags for our van, let's be honest. So we're, you, you've been there, right? You're crush, cramming all this stuff in, trying to get home. You're tired. Things are going wrong. You got to check the oil. You got to get the fuel. Somebody's got to pee at all times. You know how it goes, okay? Family trips. And so this last day was a big day. And we're traveling back home. And I'm tired and I get home and I'm just like, okay, that was a lot. I just need a minute outside on the deck by myself. So I go sit on my back deck. I sit in this, like, whatever, the, the couch thing there. And I'm just relaxing on it, kind of eyes closed. And okay, finally, a moment to relax. And then my son, my six-year-old son comes bursting through the back door onto the back deck. Hey, dad, what's he doing back here? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so... So he's excited. He's home. Yeah, I'm so happy to be home. And he goes back down in the backyard. He's playing around for a bit. He's having some fun. And he's like asking questions, whatever. And I'm kind of just like, I'm just trying to have a moment here. Just trying to relax. And then all of a sudden he's like, Dad! Dad, there's a flower! And I'm so tired. I'm like, oh, gosh. And he's like, Dad, you got to come see the flower. And I'm, uh, man, I'm exhausted. And he's just like, Dad, and pro I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, probably seven times he's finally like, Dad, come see the flower now. Dad, a flower, flower. Dad, come, Dad, now. And finally, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm getting up to see the flower. And so I finally get off this couch. I'm tired. I like wander myself over and, and lean over the railing of our back deck where he is. And I see this. And so... If you're anything like me, and you have to deal with the weeds in your, in your house, I see these two, three feet tall weeds, and that's all I see. And I'm like, oh, son. I'm like, how did he even see this flower? He was standing on the other side of this. This flower is tucked behind all this green stuff, and yet he somehow sees it. And, and I try to celebrate a little bit. I'm like, yeah, it's good that there's a flower. And, and I look, and I'm like, look at all this work I have to do. I'm so tired. 
Oh, yeah, look at all these weeds. And then I started to look around the rest of the yard. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's weeds everywhere. We've been gone for a week. Ugh. And I'm tired. I look at it. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, son. I don't really expect anything from this moment. I turn around to go walk back and sit down. And I just feel this impression on my spirit. Just feel the words, something along the lines of, that's how you've been looking at everything lately. Is all you can see is what is wrong but there's something beautiful happening here. And it was heavy. And I just went and sat back down and, and it's kind of been a, a moment that's shifted something in my spirit. You know what? I can't remember what a day or two after I just took not long, a few minutes and just went and pulled all the weeds from the backyard. And just a few days later, I think it was about two weeks later, this is what that bush looked like. Can I tell you something? God wants to do something in your life, and it's beautiful, but you got to pay attention to the potential, to the promise, to what God has for your life. Otherwise, we spend our whole lives picking weeds, not even seeing what God is up to. What are you looking at? What will you choose to see in your life? What's been going on in your life where you've been focused so much on the problem, not on the potential? What promise has maybe God given you? Maybe a dream or a word spoken over you, or maybe you feel like you just don't have that sort of idea of a promise. And maybe you need to get in the word of God, or maybe God just wants to speak something to you today. But what are the problems? Fear a lack of confidence, forgiveness, bitterness. Sometimes we have a hard time just holding, letting go of the problems we've been holding onto so tightly. And maybe God is saying to you today, it's time to let go. Would you stand with me today? I'm so thankful for the story throughout the Bible of how God is constantly trying to make a way to be with his children. We keep making mistakes. We keep going our own way and God is always working his way back to us. When Eve bit the fruit, God could have said, okay, never mind, bad idea. Right? He could have said, you know what? I, I shouldn't have done this. Let's just throw it all in the trash and let's go back to Father, Son, and Spirit. We'll do our own thing. He could have said, oops, I'm, I made a mistake. I'm not going to try that again. God could have just seen the problem of sin that entered this world through us, humanity. But instead, he saw the potential of his children, the beauty in his children. And the moment that Adam and Eve took the fruit, God knew there was still potential for a great future for us. God knew he was gonna need to send Jesus to come and make a way for us to be with him. God knew there was a problem, but thanks to Jesus, there is a solution. He is the solution. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning?
thank you, Jesus, that you meet our needs, that you care for us, that you meet us in our pain, and that you're the solution of our connection to God, of our right standing with God. It's not about what we do. It's about what you've already done. And I want to just quickly pray over you if you feel like a heaviness or you feel like this word was for you. God, thank you for your people. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for a better future. Thank you that we're becoming closer to you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. The Spirit of God to be the Spirit of truth to us. To be the comforter, the guide, the advocate who goes to you on our behalf. Reminding us of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. God, help us to forgive. Father, pull the root of bitterness out of our hearts. Help us because we, the things we've been turning to are no longer working. And God, forgive us for putting things in your place. But we need to turn to you when we're hurting. Turn to you when we need direction. Turn to you when we need comfort, not the cheap substitutes that we've put in place. Thank you, Lord, that you love every person in this room and that you're with them always. If you are in the room and you know that it's time to, it's time to come back to Jesus, he designed you, God designed you to be in relationship with him. He loves you. In his word, it says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll, you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer today that accepts Jesus into your heart. It, it, you acknowledge yourself as someone who's messed up and needing Jesus to redeem you and bring you back to the Father. I'd love to pray this prayer with you and everybody who calls themselves a follower of Jesus, who belongs to the family of believers. Would you pray this prayer alongside those people making this bold step today? So repeat after me, God, thank you for this life you've given me. Lord, you see my problems and you still call me your child. Forgive me for the sin I've allowed in my life. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again to pay for my freedom. Today I begin new life with you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to dwell within me and be with me always. May your will be done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise for all he's done here today. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.